And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network has incredible podcasts like the Salesman Podcast hosted by Will Barron. Now, if you work in sales, you want to learn how to sell, or you want to peek at some of the latest sales news and insights, you need to listen to the Salesman Podcast The host, Will Barron, helps sales professionals learn how to find buyers and win big business in effective and ethical ways. If you think any of the following topics resonate with you, you're going to love the show. How to find and close your dream job in sales, 12 essential principles of selling, digital body language, how to have better Zoom sales meetings, or how to tell a remarkable sales story. If these are topics that would interest you, go check out the Salesman Podcast wherever you get your podcast or at hubspot.com slash podcast network. Today, my guest is Vincenzo Guzzo, aka Mr. Sunshine. He's an entrepreneur, philanthropist, television personality. He serves as CEO of Cinema Guzzo, uh, Group Guzzo Construction, Guzzo Medical, Guzzo Hospitality. He also has a chain of pizzerias in Montreal. He has a foundation, the Guzzo Family Foundation. He was a recipient of Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal. He was knighted by the Order of Merit of the Italian Republic. He's a member of the Order of Malta. He was also an investor and a dragon on Dragon's Den. He has built an empire across multiple industries. We spoke about his early days as a single child building uh, one cinema from Cinema Guzzo into the largest private cinema movie chain. We spoke about how he diversified, got into construction, got into real estate, got into medical, hospitality, all these different businesses that he's built successfully. We spoke about risk. Uh, We spoke about him navigating the pandemic, things he had to do, doubling down the opportunity of the pandemic. Then we spoke about some political things, some things that uh, he has observed through the two years that we've navigated this pandemic with the political environment, decisions made, people that have been making the decisions. Uh, he's He at one point was even thinking about going into politics, and we spoke about how politics and business sometimes could be married up and why some people that are excellent in business maybe would make incredible politicians and some reasoning behind that, some logic behind that. Then we uh, finally spoke about business marketing for brick and mortar, how he navigated the marketing for brick and mortar through the pandemic, how he drives conversions in his actual movie theaters, how he uh, measures conversions and ad dollars spent from online, offline marketing, some of the most successful marketing tactics that he's used in his theaters to scale them to, again, the largest private movie cinema organization uh, in Canada. So some great business ideas, some great business conversation, entrepreneurship, insights, uh, marketing ideas for brick and mortar. Uh, We covered a whole gamut of things. Let's jump right into it. This is Vincenzo Guzzo, serial entrepreneur and dragon. Uh, well, so I'm, I'm Canadian. I'm born in Montreal, uh, uh, born, raised in Montreal, went to school, London, Ontario. Um, you know, my first university degree in economics and then came back to law school. Um, was actually planning on moving to New York and being uh, Harvey Specter before Harvey Specter even existed. You know, the, the guy with the uh, uh, relationship issues and, and, <laughs> and childhood issues and so forth and so forth. I'm an only child, so God knows I have issues if I want to have them, right? Uh, but I guess, you know, the old man had a different plan and he said, look, give me a year. Let me, you know, uh, come with me in the movie business, 
see what you think of it and so forth and so forth. And then I realized that, hey, you know, within a few months, I realized there was more litigation for me in the movie business than there was probably in New York City, you know, getting other people's problems. Yeah. Uh, and then from running movie theaters, you know, we, we opened got construction division to build our own theaters and then to build our own real estate from construction. We went into owning real estate and so forth and so forth. And, you know, uh, through this pandemic, if anything, uh, you know, we bought another shopping mall uh, that we have a theater in um, and we're looking at other real estate. I mean, I would tell you today, you know, if we look at the books, uh, uh, most of the value of, you know, the whole Guzzo family comes from the real estate division, the movie theater, you know, when they work, and which they haven't done in the last 24 months that much, uh, but when they do work, they're a great source of cash flow for, you know, the real estate division and so forth and so forth. And so from there, we've gone into the restaurant business and now we're going to go into the retail food business. I mean, you know, me being on Dragon's Den, on CBC's Dragon's Den, you know, is a great opportunity to bump into up and coming entrepreneurs and help them expand their business, but also be part of that success and also have a uh, you know, share of the equity and so forth. Uh, you know, one of the one of the, I guess one of the most fun deals I did was with Rudy Ladd, which is a T-shirt company. But then, you know, there's a hidden gem in there, which is called uh, a Good Pantry, which uh, the pandemic has done everything to to prevent us from launching that even bigger <laughs> than it is. But you know, that's a revolutionary uh, uh, icing product, which you know you'll see if if you follow me on Instagram, you'll you'll see I, I often post. Or repost some of their stuff, uh, but that's—I uh, suspect that that's going to end up being a 50, 60 million dollar company within the next 12 to 24 months. Amazing, and and all this came from—it's funny. I've I've seen this play a few times actually. What you did with your theaters, and then you moved into real estate. This is like the traditional McDonald's play, and I've seen it a few other times where you actually have a, a great business. So. I'm still curious about the, the movie industry and, and how you built that up. Like, you know, you probably started with one theater and now I think you're the largest independent movie theater owner. So you're not yeah, competing with like that. the, you're, you're not like the, the AMCs, but you're the, you're the largest independent, right? Well, that's right. So by independent, what it really means is we're not a publicly held company. We're one of, a, you know, a homegrown uh, yeah. um, uh, uh, theater circuit, right? So. AMC is a monster, so is Cineworld, so is Cineplex. So on a, on a all, all, um, uh, uh, all types, you know, mixed in, we're, the, we're Canada's third largest movie theater operator. We're actually Canada's privately largest privately owned, Canadian owned operator. Uh, I believe the last time I checked in North America, we were either 25 or 26 uh, in size. Um, so, you know, we gradually grew it from a one-screen complex to a three-screen complex to a multiple-screen complex. And then, you know, in 1998 is when we said, okay, let's, let's try and take this over. Our complexes are often associated to, you know, the AMC complexes because they are these large 18, 16, 14, 12-screen complexes. The big difference between our complexes and I'd say other people's complexes while food is, you know, a cornerstone of the business, you know, popcorn, pop, and so forth, we chose in 1998 not to go with the extended restaurant experience, but we chose to go with the entertainment experience. Meaning what you see today in the U.S. where you'll have a 90,000 square foot 10 screen complex, but there's 50,000 square feet that's really amusement space. So we did that, but we didn't, you know, so our entertainment section is roughly 15, 20,000 square feet out of a 40 or 60,000 square feet footprint. Um, so that's where the difference is. We felt you can eat anywhere, but you really can't have an entertainment uh, uh, arcade experience or virtual reality experience anywhere just because cities were shutting down the whole amusement sector. You know, they, they've always associated those sectors to, to negativity, they didn't want them near schools and so forth and so forth, in Canada at least. I know in the U.S. it's a little different. Uh, we now have redemption that, you know, has appeared in, in Quebec for the first time in, in a lifetime. I mean, it's probably the last territory in North America that, that allowed for redemption. So we what does expect that mean? What do you mean that, by that? What do you mean well, by redemption that, is when you actually, where you can actually play and make, get back points 
for, for ah, longevity okay, okay. of play okay, or so forth. And there you can exchange that for prizes or for movie admissions or for concession stand products, uh, which is something Quebec was never never liked. I mean, they associated too much to gambling. So, so gotcha. you know, now they've accepted it. So we're going to we're going to head that way. And so we still believe that going to the movies is more than just, you know, watching a movie. It's actually an outing. So we have full fledged bumper cars. We have full fledged merry-go-rounds in our theaters, you know, everything to try and let. So, so in other words, you don't have to go to a Six Flags or to an amusement park. You can actually go to the theater. Uh, 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 and, and have that idea. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Athletic Greens. Now, I'm super happy that I partnered with Athletic Greens because I literally use them every single day. Now, I've known about Athletic Greens for a little bit only because I tried them about two years ago, way before uh, they decided to sponsor the show. And I noticed that in winters, when I didn't take Athletic Greens, I would get sick as a dog. When I did take Athletic Greens, uh, I wouldn't get sick at all. So it turns out that when you take one scoop of Athletic Greens, you're taking and absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. So this is incredible for your immune system. And the special blend of uh, all of these ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, your aging. So I take it one scoop every single morning. It's lifestyle friendly, meaning whether or not you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, it's gonna fit that diet, which is important for me because sometimes I like to go a little bit low carb. If you're already taking a multivitamin, this can completely replace that. It's important to choose a high quality vitamin with ingredients that your body will actually absorb. Athletic Greens definitely takes care of that. And it's way cheaper than actually getting all the different vitamins, supplements, ingredients if you're going to buy them separately. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash success. That's right. That's a special URL they put together just for Success Story podcast listeners. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash success to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I mean, like, that's where people are going. They're going for entertainment. And I've heard, actually, this is this is a great point because through pandemic, obviously, like, you know, you know, this is a elephant in the room for especially for your business. This is a major, a major thing that impacted you, of course. But let's talk about let's talk about the industry. Let's talk about how it's evolved. Let's talk about some of the things that you've had to navigate. Let's talk about the fact that that social component that you've built up that you doubled down on, like previous to the pandemic, and then doubled down on again during the pandemic. Let's talk about that because I think that future of movie theaters, what you've done what you believe, what you've predicted is all so relevant to somebody who is trying to navigate where they're going to take their business in the future, how to future proof, how to figure out if this shit ever happens again, what do I do with a brick and mortar? Like you, like you have a playbook for what you did over the past two years, which I think is exceptional. Um, so I'd well, love I mean, to, I'd love for you to break it down and just talk about that. Yeah. Well, you know, look, one of the things, you know, pre-pandemic, I was a brick-and-mortar guy. I, I didn't, uh, you know, I always love to say, you know, online shopping is uh, uh, convenient, but it's not sexy. Uh, versus, you know, brick-and-mortar is, is sexy. There's an appeal to it. There's an experience side to it. Uh, and I remember Michelle Romano telling me, what do you mean by online is not sexy? And I says, well, think about how, how most people are going shopping, right? They're in their dirty T-shirt and uh, Probably a pair of uh, of, pajama, of either pajamas or boxer shorts. They're turned yeah. around one time too many, uh, and they're <laughs> in their room and in the you know and, and so forth. So, uh, the fact of the matter is, we had started the construction of a new theater before, you know, COVID, and we opened it on the 17th of uh, of uh, December this year, only to see it close down three days later. Uh, so, you know, that's a 12 million dollar investment on our part in the middle of COVID which was a, a, a cash flow draining experience. But at the end of the day, that is what I think a lot of people who are successful in a crisis period is they will live on a string shoe budget because they know investing during the crisis is when, you know, the, when times are cheapest to do it. And then it's after the pandemic that everything explodes, right? Yeah. So, for example, you know, we have real estate that now we're going to, not build a theater on and we're actually going to build some industrial space on it because industrial has become so hot 
and we know we have anywhere between 24 and 36 months to make that happen, to, to take advantage of the hotness of, you know, of, of, uh, of uh, industrial space. So it's, it's illusionary to believe, you know, and everybody thought at the beginning of the pandemic that this was the nail in the coffin, you know, for movie theaters, right? People were going to get used to staying home and people were going to get used to streaming stuff and so forth. You know, I think everybody's got to realize that not everybody lives in a 14,000 square foot home. Nobody lives in a mansion by the sea in Barbados, right? Not, not everybody does that. And so the average person lives in a 600 to 1,000 square foot home. They don't have room for live theater space. They don't have room for a streaming, you know, room that's dedicated to streaming. And the truth of the matter is, if I work nine to five in an office, the last thing I want to do is recoup myself up and close myself up again, you know, when I go home. And vice versa, if there is a reality that we will be, you know, uh, uh, um, I guess, working from home more, well, if I'm going to work from home nine to five, then the last thing I want to do is entertain myself from five to to 12, again, at home, right? I mean, people like need five to feet that way, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. I mean, people need to. And so in a very awkward way, when we closed down the first time for roughly, I'd say three months, when theaters reopened, the, the go back to the theaters wasn't as strong. And in fact, and, and that worried a lot of bankers and it worried a lot of people in the industry. But in reality, it was just a question of analyzing what was going on properly, right? And so we reopened in, in, in uh, I, I would say, July 20, uh, 2020, and business opened at 5 10%. And so everybody's saying, oh, my God, what's going on? Well, you know, California was still locked down. New York was no still movies. locked down. Those two markets represent 20% of the North American market. Studios were not releasing their hot, you know, uh, uh, A-rated a movies. So, I mean, why would people go to the movies, right? And three months is... A vacation. Well, what happened after that is when they reclosed theaters in October and we didn't open till May of 2021. Well, now you're talking about eight months. Now, eight months, as I like to say, is a jail sentence, right? And, and nothing better to appreciate freedom than to go to jail for eight months. Uh, and so I think when we reopened in June, it took three weeks for us to be back at 70, 80, 90% of business. And if it wasn't for, you know, our government asking for vaccine passports and reconfusing the, the, the play game or the playbook sometime in early September, I think business would have been back to 100% already. In fact, when we opened our new theater on September, on December, sorry, 17, with Spider-Man, that weekend we were at 108%, you know, of regular business of 2019 so the business was back and i think the fact that people missed going to the movies and the fact that most people got through every single possible episode of whatever was worth watching on netflix or whatever other platform exists out there i think everybody said hey you know what enough is enough i mean we, we need to socialize whether it's socializing in a distance way in a distancing way right and going to the movies as I always said to the public health authorities, is socializing with distanciation before distanciation was even a word, or even before we made it a word in our vocabulary that everybody knew, right? So you go to the movies, you sit down in a dark room, you don't sit next to anybody unless you're forced to, unless you got 100% full auditorium. Everybody's, like, you know, I always like to say, I walk into a 300-seat auditorium and if there's 50 people there and anybody comes and sit right next to me, he's going to get a stare and I'm going to look at him and say, seriously, you have nowhere else to sit? 100%. Right next to me? Like, <laughs> the guy, the the guy has something wrong with him if he does. That's creepy. That's right. And it's got nothing to do with COVID, right? So I think <laughs> social distancing is just the element that was always there in movie going experience. And so we've seen it. We reopened theaters, you know, uh, on the um, on the 11th of, uh, no, sorry, on the 8th of uh, February. Yeah. And... I mean, we didn't have any new movies. All the movies were all the Christmas movies we never got to play. And we ended up at about 70% of business. That's so, not bad. You know, we out can't of season, complain. older movies. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and like I said, it's, it's at a time where it's traditionally, uh, you know, Q1 is traditionally the weakest Q of the year. So that we're back to 80% with 
you know, government authorities still always talking with these subliminals and these these underlying threats and fear factor and fear mongling and everything. It's just insane, right? I mean, I think everybody's had enough of, of, of our politicians and, and I think we're ready to move on with or yeah. without them, as I like to say. <laughs> How did you, okay, is there any anything that you learned with your business, anything you tried differently, anything that you uh, optimized, improved, did differently, launched new projects like during COVID that you were just like, let me just try this. Let me see if this is gonna keep us afloat, even if, movies don't open for the next five years, I still have a, another thing to go down or another path to go down. Anything you well, tried look, that stuck? Well, we never, look, we never had the, we never believed that the, the close down, the shutdowns True. were gonna last longer than, you know, than they've, in fact, they've lasted longer than we had ever predicted, right? That's, that's the truth of the matter. Most people would agree um, with you there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we did launch our own popcorn line, our own concession line of chocolates. You know, part of that is for retail. Part of it was for our theaters. You know, we worked a lot on stuff that we worked part-time on. All of a sudden, it became, you know, full-time work on, right? So I, I, I suspect 2022 and 2023 will be a big year for us on the retail food side. Uh, there's a whole bunch of projects coming out of Dragon's Den that, you know, we... We didn't have that much time to work on, but now we did, right? Because all of a sudden... The movie theater wasn't taking 24 hours of our of our time and our way of thinking. We also took a chance, like I said, on buying other real estate that was, you know, retail based and, and, and entertainment based. And so we expect to see, you know, fruitions from that uh, come up. So, you know, the truth of the matter is if you're in a business that you believe in, uh, you know, I guess you double down on it. If you were in a business that you knew was a, a, a sort of a temporary, well, that means you should have already planned, you know, to have gone on in something else, right? Invested in something else, which wasn't necessarily our case. I think in our case, when we invested in the restaurant business, when we invested in the food service business, it was more of a complementary business. And then it became uh, uh, at the forefront of our business. Now, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Grin. Now, Grin is the number one creator management platform, helping e-commerce brands connect with their audience through the power of creator partnerships. Now, influencer marketing, it's easy to get lost in the spreadsheets and busy work, combing through a messy web of communications, looking for content, wondering about campaigns, are they delivering, where are the data points, have you shipped the creative yet, have you shipped the product yet, uh, have they billed, have they invoiced, all of the headache that comes with managing creators and influencers, that's where Grin comes in. So Grin is an all-in-one software that allows you to treat your creators like your brand revolves around them, even though you're actually saving yourself a ton of headache. Grin helps you find and recruit the perfect ambassadors for your brand, streamlines the communication process, collects all the creator content in one spot, tracks the ROI in real time so you can create smarter campaigns that drive sales. With Grin, one person can do the work of an entire team. You can find and recruit influencers, communicate with them, ship product, aggregate creator content, measure ROI all in one spot. You are maximizing every dollar you invest in influencer marketing and you are eliminating all of the headache, all of the busy work. Brands like Liquid IV, First Aid Beauty, Movement, they all run influencer marketing campaigns at scale and work with thousands of creators at the same time they're all using Grin. So you need to treat your creators like your brand revolves around them because in the creator economy, it does. Experts believe that influencer marketing will become a $15 billion industry by 2022. So this isn't going away anytime soon. You have to figure out how to use influencers and creators at scale. Find out how Grin can help you grow your brand. Watch the demo at grin.com. Co. That's G-R-I-N dot C-O. Influencer marketing is easier with Grin. Find out why at Grin.co. That's G-R-I-N dot C-O. Right, so Which is how business evolves anyways. That's right. That's, that's how you got into construction. That's how you got into real estate. That's how you got into owning shopping centers and commercial real estate. So, you know, you, you said this before, uh, like, and I, I want you to sort of... Uh, build out on this but I think it's a really smart point like when there is this uncertainty when there's so much um, 
during like a crisis, for example, that's opportunity and that's yeah. opportunity. And you took it. So talk to me about I mean, that. Talk to me about mindset. You know, talk to me about what you mistakes. did. Like, like, yeah, like, yeah. You know, fairness, you know, we've made mistakes like everybody else. I mean, had I known this pandemic was going to last as long as it was going to last, I mean, I would have gone in the medical supply business. I mean, for sure. Right. It, it was it was a no brainer. The problem is, I don't think I think a lot of people got laid into that game and, and you know, and, and, and it blew up differently because I don't think anybody thought this was going to last this long. I mean, you know, if, if anything has really come out of this pandemic is is how better of a job we all need to do when it comes to electing our public officials. I mean, it's a joke. I mean, you know, we've been lied to. We've been, you know, not necessarily. And I want to correct this because while we've been lied to, I don't think we've been lied to because there's a a big conspiracy, a big reset, any of that, you know, a meeting of the minds of the Illuminati's that, you know, decided <laughs> to conquer the world, any of that crap. I mean, I, I, no offense to the politicians I know, but, you know, I know way too many politicians and none of them have the IQ to have ever come up with a conspiracy theory. You know, that, I've, I've always said the group. same shit. <laughs> it's you know, like, no way. you know, what we got to do, you know, what we got to do. We got to find, we got to have maximum ages forced retirement and we got to have, we got to have better salaries and incentives to go into politics. So you have all the guys that go to SF going into politics. I don't know how the hell we're going to do it, but that's what I, I think we have to do. Look, today I was giving an interview and somebody said to me that we needed to invest more in the, uh, in the, uh, um, uh, in the educational space. You know, the, the yeah. directors of all of the universities in Canada got together and are complaining to both Ottawa and their provincial governments that they need better funding. And I said, well, you know, while we're on the subject, I'd like to know why a rector of a university makes $800,000 between salary and expenses and a, and a premier of a province or the prime minister uh, of uh, Canada only makes 250000 right? I mean, it doesn't, doesn't give us very much incentive to attract the best talent possible in, in politics when, when we're paying such measly dollars. And, and, and look, you know, I'm all for you got to do it for the cause. But if you really want to attract the best talent, Start making pay. it worthwhile for everybody to forget their private sector jobs at half a million dollars and at a million dollars and start looking at the private sector and at the public sector. And then you'll get better results. I mean, it, it, you know, look, it, it was a bit of a, and, and I'll use the word even though, you know, it, it may be beeped out. I mean, it was a bit of a shit show where, yeah. you know, decisions were made. I mean, we have public health experts being paid three, four hundred thousand dollars and we weren't listening to them because we felt that the general public wasn't going to understand, right? So in all intents and purposes, we need to remember that the people we elected didn't even have respect enough for us to actually tell us what was going on or not going on. And at the end of the day, if you, if you really look at it, in Quebec at least, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a healthcare issue. It's more our hospitals could not take the flow of people falling sick. But it's 30 years that, that we're over capacity in our, in our hospitals. And why, are we, why haven't we done anything about it? You know, we have a premier here who 30 years ago was a minister of, of health. And he seemed as confused as anybody else, right? So I think ultimately, you know, we should, and, and I think while I don't want to, you know, throw too many flowers to the, to the trucking protest in Ottawa, you know, I think, I think they did light up a, a, a flame. And I think that, you know, there, there's a bit of a, how can I say, I, I think there's a reminder there that people have a breaking point. You know, yeah. if there's anything we can learn is that enough is enough. We can push only so much until people break. And what's sad is, is that, you know, I would only like for people to understand that, you know, protesting in Ottawa is great, but you understand there's people that live there and... The politicians we were trying to annoy or the politicians we were trying to get their awareness, they weren't even at work. They were hiding. You know, our, our prime minister was hiding somewhere in one of his country places. You Not know, the people that were else. living beside the noise. Yeah. yeah. That's right. They were living behind, yeah. beside the noise. And I think we're, that we need to understand that when every time we protest, while we are protesting for a great cause, I, I think somewhere along the way we are creating inconveniences for people. And eventually... Like every, you know, like every government, you know, that, that goes too far, 
even protests just happen to go too far at a certain mm -hmm. point uh, um, and so forth. So, you know, I, I think we need to remember that everybody has a breaking point. You've so you're obviously, you know, you're the you're the successful business leader. I've seen this with with you and with Kevin O'Leary at one point too. you know, just to quote a, to reference another uh, another Shark Tank Dragons Den person. You were both looking at politics. You were looking at politics. You're both looking at conservative leadership and, and running. Why does that not happen? Why did it not happen for you? Why did you not make that like that transition? I think I haven't made the transition yet for the simple reason that I, you know, maybe I feel that I haven't done everything I need to do yet on a, on a private sector level, mm -hmm. but also because, you know, I, I think there's, there's, there's a time and place for private sector people to go into politics, right? And, 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 and this time around, I know that I didn't say it the first time around in, in 2019 and 2020, but this time around I had the opportunity to say it, which was, you know, the first thing that happens when somebody like me throws his name in the, you know, in the ring is, but he's got no political experience. Well, after two years of COVID, I can say, are we really looking for somebody with political experience? Really? After the two years of political experience that we've had, is what we're looking for, another politician to run the country? Really? If that's what it is, I mean, then, we, then it is true that we just never learn. Like, or, or we like the abuse as, as, a, as a general population. We just like to be abused, right? And, and I think that somewhere along the way, you know, people need to realize that when we're putting aside the money we could make in the private sector and willing to go into politics... It isn't because we only think we could do better. It's because I think we can do better for everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, uh, you can think what you want of Kevin O'Leary. Uh, you have to remember that Kevin O'Leary is, is as much as, as Shark Tank or, or Dragon's Den is a reality show, you know, there is a bit of dramatization there, right? So when he's... When he says he's going to scratch you like a cockroach, it may not be what you want to hear from a future politician. But you have to remember that that's a show. And there's got to be some soap opera side to it. Yeah, yeah some dramatics yeah. to it, right? And so, and everything. But ultimately, people need to understand that, you know, we're business people. And business people cannot be mavericks and, 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 and renegades and also be bipolar and crazy. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, why is it that in the private sector we shine and our employees, you know, get great salaries and, and some of our employees become our partners through stock options, et cetera, et cetera. Why couldn't the people benefit from that, right? I think that the biggest people blocking successful business people from going into politics isn't the general population. I think it's the politicians you know, and, and I'll call them career politicians. I mean, you know, I have, uh, you know, the first guy who announced his, uh, you know, his candidacy in, in, in the latest uh, uh, conservative uh, leadership race is somebody who's never had a job apart from being a politician, right? So it's very hard for me to explain to that person what it is to be a business person when he's got no empathy. He doesn't, he doesn't know what it's really like to be a business person. And he can surround himself with the people he wants. You know, there's nothing better than feeling the pain yourself. And, and, mm -hmm. and if only we can put, you know, the truth of the matter is, if only somebody could really put the sentiment of the pain that entrepreneurs went through during COVID. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that I may have lost, you know, I, I posted this um, Recently on Instagram, I said, to, I said, the post said something like, politicians didn't save our lives. They actually wasted two years of it. You know, in other words, there was no life to be, to be saved. I mean, the people who, you know, the people who didn't die, it's not because the politicians did a great job. It's because the circumstances just didn't call for those people to die. Because ultimately... 
our system wasn't in place. We, we look, you know, I mean, when, when COVID started, we had past dated medical supply. It's hard to believe that we had millions of dollars of outdated, expired medical supply. So it's as if we never even saw this one coming, right? And then somebody's going to say, yeah, but how, how would you have seen it coming? Well, look, for one thing, we always have a float. We always, you know, expect the unexpected. It's just, yeah, I mean, you know, did we expect a nuclear war if we can compare it to that on a medical sector? No. But that, then again, that's not my sector. So I wasn't supposed to be privy to that and, and be aware of that. But, you know, I think ultimately what business people need to face on a regular basis is adversity every day. Politicians don't. And so, you know, if I had to choose an elected official for the future, I would not choose a, a, a peacetime president or prime minister. I would try and elect somebody who's a wartime prime minister or a wartime president. Because if you can govern during a crisis of a war, you can govern during peace. It's easy, right? And, and just so you realize, I mean, the analogy that I've done is basically tells you something. If you look at the United States of America, every president who has, who has had wartime experience, when they became president, never went to war. They managed whatever they did not to go to war because they knew the casualties of a war. Every president who has taken us to war was one that never saw a day of war. And so for them, there was no pain. It wasn't their pain. It was maybe the cost of doing business, call it, right? Business people go through regularly wartime pain, right? I mean, bankers aren't happy with business people these days. They're, you know, if it wasn't for a potential... PR disasters, most banks would have called back a lot of loans and a lot of business yeah. people would be in trouble today. Well, you were negotiating right? some of your buildings, right? You were negotiating, you were calling people. I heard, you know, you put a stop payment on, on everything and yeah. you were stopping the payments going through. Like, the, and, it, and it's, it, it, you know, it's sad that only the only reason why they negotiated was because of a PR disaster, but that's, it is what it is. It, I mean, so, look, I mean, I... I'm a landlord, and, and I had to, you know, uh, the expression is put some water in my wine or dilute my, my, yeah. my alcohol because I knew that if I was too strong and too hard on the people, they would go belly up. And, and that didn't serve me as a businessman. It didn't serve the property well to see people, you know, close businesses there. It did not inspire anybody. And what did it give me to put somebody into bankruptcy, right? But yeah. not everybody sees it that way. Some people, you know, and unfortunately, I have to live with the fact that being on Dragon's Den and sometimes being hard-nosed on the show, you know, some people think, oh, you know, I'm going to show him, you know. And so, you know, we butt heads. And let me tell you, when I butt heads, I butt heads. And, 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 I'm, and there's no reason for me to accept to be bullied in any way. Uh, of course, uh, yeah. But, you know, that experience, that... that uh, uh, that reality that, that we went through for the last 24 months prepares people. It, it prepares you for the hardship. It prepares you for the empathy. I don't know what our politicians did during two years, right? I mean, I have we have opposition uh, uh, politicians who wrote books, you know, during the two week, two months, uh, two years, sorry, and they and they released memoirs. I don't know what the hell you're releasing a memoir in the middle of of a pandemic. Others got their full salary. I mean, it's easy to be in politics and get your full salary and tell people we're almost out of this. Yeah. And then it lasts another 18 months, right? So, you know, it's sad that, you know, sometimes guys like I or guys like, you know, Kevin get judged for, for a bit of a character we play sometimes on reality TV. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, I've always said that... Um, some countries don't appreciate their own success stories, but those success stories are appreciated elsewhere, right? When you have movie producers and directors leaving Quebec and going to Hollywood and being success stories, but yet, you know, we, we weren't willing to invest in, 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 in them, says a lot about 
you know, the, the, the yeah. knowledge and the intelligence of some of our politicians. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Trade Coffee. Now, I'm a coffee lover, and I just found out a really uh, unnerving stat and fact about coffee. 90% of coffee that you buy from a grocery store is actually stale. You heard that right. It blew my mind. The coffee you know and love and you go buy from your grocery store needs an upgrade, and that's not the way coffee is actually supposed to taste. So instead of buying this old, same coffee that you're already getting that's stale, Trade Coffee sends you fresh coffee as much as you want, as fast as you drink it, it's gonna replenish, but it's always gonna be fresh. So Trade sells fresh, roasted, and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee nerd or you just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and your brewing method. They actually set up a quiz so that you can answer some information and they'll have a better idea of what coffee actually fits your particular profile. And they also guarantee that if uh, you don't love your first bag that they send you, they're gonna replace it for free. They've been featured by New York Times, Wired, GQ. They've delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee. I'm a huge coffee nerd, and any way I can get better coffee that I regularly enjoy, I'm game for. The subscription is no hassle. You can skip shipments. You can change your frequency. You can cancel anytime you want. And for all Success Story podcast listeners, they set up an intro offer to get you off the ground. They're offering a total of $20 off your first three bags when you go to Drink Trade dot com slash success story but you have to get started so to start take their quiz figure out what coffee works for you go to drinktrade.com slash success story start your journey to your perfect cup that's drinktrade.com slash success story get twenty dollars off your first three bags i'm i'm curious about i'm curious about uh dragon's den too i need to i need to understand your story and and how you got there because there's a there's a funny story behind that as well because you don't strike me as somebody uh, who would just jump on TV and, and look for look for the spotlight. You you know you've built up the infrastructure, you've built up the screens. You haven't uh, you haven't been chasing after the fame. So tell me the story about Dragons. Then what happened there? Well, you know, I mean, uh, um, I'm a character, right? So you know, I was always a You're character. You're fun to talk to, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm the kind of guy that uh, you know because I'm an only child and because. You know, I, I have my issues like Harvey Specter had. You know, I always <laughs> debated my stuff. And I knew that, you know, some debates were better had publicly than, than in private. And so that opened up the door to Dragons then wanting a character. They needed somebody who gave a different perspective than, you know, the traditional. Uh, um. And so, you know, it's been a, it was an ongoing discussion. You know, they wanted... At a certain point, there was discussions of me being on the French-Canadian Dragons Den, and I said, well, I, I don't know if French-Canadians, you know, like my English humor once in a while. And then when I got on the English Dragons Den, it's, I don't know if they like my quirky Italian humor sometimes, right? So <laughs> it, it is what it is. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a numbers guy. I mean, you know, uh, it was funny, you know, as... Um, so, you know, I, I got on Dragons then in 2013. So it was season uh, season uh, 13 in 2018. And so over the years, you get to know the Dragons a little better. And it was funny because last year, uh, during one of the pitches, uh, Manjeet was sort of looking over and looking at what I was writing. And I looked at her and says, what? She goes, what are you writing? And I says, well, the numbers. And she says, you know, it's unbelievable how quickly you come to the numbers and, and how you can easily validate, you know, the contradiction or, or, or the validity of the numbers that people... And, and that's one of the... You know, I always like to say that when you're dyslexic, you're weak in one thing, but other senses develop quicker. And the numbers one got developed very quickly. So I, I can usually come up to the numbers and, and, and smell somebody who doesn't know their numbers really quickly, right? And so... I think that, you know, every show needs that kind of a person. So we need, you know, the bitchiness of, and I'm using bitchy with a small b, of, you know, Manjeet. You need sometimes the uh, uh, the toughness of 
Michelle, you know, and so forth and so forth. So they were looking for somebody who just said it as it was, right? And, and every once in a while, who make a, a, a politically correct mistake. You know, I don't know if you remember, there was one of the pitches where Lane's swinging a baseball bat with a towel on it. And I said, no, you, you got to swing the bat like, you know, this way. And I'm trying to, and he says, why don't you come and show me? And I said, look, I don't have to show you nothing. I'm Italian. I know how to swing a bat. Trust me on this one, right? So, you know, it, it scandalized everybody. Said, oh, my yeah. God. Then he's just like, oh, what a stereotype call there, right? But let, let's be honest. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of Italian origin, so I'm allowed to make Italian jokes, okay? The same That's way fair. Jewish people are allowed to make Jewish jokes and nobody else is allowed to, I can make Italian jokes. That's it. Uh, and so... I, I don't really, because of my independence, I guess, in, in my own life, I, I really don't feel I owe that political correctness that much. So I become a funny character. Uh, you know, I was chased to be on Dragon's Den because of the fact that I, I didn't hold anything back. Uh, uh, you know, and the nice thing, my concern was when I got onto Dragon's Den, my concern was that I used to use the F word way too often and I said you know you guys are never going to be able to get a full sentence out of me without the f word in this it's okay it's an edited show we'll cut it out we'll, we'll find a way but over time I got used to not using the f word all the time and so uh it actually made me a more polite person I guess <laughs> do you now when you uh you mentioned you're a numbers guy and that's important obviously but when you work with businesses what do you look for in entrepreneurs is it because I know that people are numbers focused, but they're also founder focused too. So a lot of people invest in the founding team, even if they haven't quite figured it out yet, they feel like the right people are going to get it done. So what do you look for? Uh, I actually look for somebody, you know, I always say to people, partnerships are, uh, business partnerships are like a marriage. So y you've got to have the same, you know, the same goals in life, the same vision in life. Uh, you can't be just about the numbers and sometimes the numbers issue is more you know when i when i sometimes realize the numbers don't match it's more to make the person realize okay you realize you're losing money right like because everybody comes to the den and tries to say oh you know uh, uh we make lots of money but the problem is when you do the math you're negative now why you're negative maybe just because you haven't applied the energy at the right place, right? I mean, the cost of goods may be off because of various reasons, or et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of people don't do the accounting properly in the sense of if you're reinvesting and basically capitalizing expenditures, you'll actually make money on an accounting level, but you still have a cash flow burn. Mm -hmm. And that's okay because all businesses need to reinvest and so forth and so forth. So at the end of the day, I mean, what's most important to me is, is the person who I'm going to invest with going to be somebody that the marriage, the business marriage can last? Or am I going to just be in a short-term relationship, which is, we got different visions of life, right? I mean, if somebody sees my presence in their life as a business partner, just as the guy was going to throw money to it, I don't, I'm not a guy who likes to just throw money at a deal. I actually like to go in, try and help the management team, try and see how they uh, uh, can restructure and how they can be lean. I mean, the worst, the worst deals or the deals that I have the hardest time with are the, you know, the tech deals, right? Because they're the ones who have $25,000 burn rate per month. And I really don't know what, what they've done. And I try and yeah. figure it out. And, and, and many times I look at Michelle and sort of try and gauge her interest in it and say, like, does this make any sense? Right? I mean, I just I don't get it. Uh, and we see it. The hardest thing we have, you know, in our business is selling online. Right? When we look and try and promote online, yeah, I mean, I can spend the money. But how do I actually trace it back from spending the money to an actual sale, right? When you spend and it online where, and when somebody walks in your store, you're saying, or somebody that's right. walks in your movie theater, got it, yeah, yeah. That's right, because yeah. at the end of the day, my businesses are brick and mortars. 
Yeah. Right. So it's fine that I promoted something, but how do I get, you know, how how can I validate that actually that fifty thousand dollar ad purchase on Google or whatever? How do you do actually, that now? You know. Uh, how got, do you do that? Well, no, no, but that that's the biggest problem we have on a continuous basis. So what we yeah. need to do every time is try and compare one you know, movie to another movie, and then we got to try and find the same type of movie, right? And yeah. try and generate, you know, so for example, we know that when we, we went out and said, we'll do Cheapy Tuesday every day for the healthcare workers. So we saw the organic growth of the, of, of, of the ad. We saw that, you know, and now we can actually quantify it because we know, we see how many $7 you know, a uh, 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 healthcare worker admissions we have. So we can actually monitor that, right? But if you don't create a distinction, it becomes very complicated mm -hmm. uh, uh, in our business, right? So unless I can track back either a coupon or something, it becomes very, very complicated. So the tech side of the business is always very hard for me uh, uh, to evaluate. But you know, I'm part of a, you know, I'm, I'm partners in a company called Auto Promo, which uses uh, text messaging couponing. Uh, um, and, you know, I, so I use it for my theaters and I try and push it to try and increase the data that we have and, and, the, and, and, and try and find a way to better, you know, so for example, we used Auto Promo for the theater opening and to give away invitations to come to the theater opening. The problem was we had a really hard time even geolocating or geoblocking mm -hmm. who we were giving the coupons to because 514 is 514. So that's Montreal, Greater Montreal when it comes to cell phones. How do I know I'm giving it to a specific area, right? Those are all of the issues that we have with the tech. So sometimes I need to feel that the founder isn't only looking for a quick build and sell or, or, or uh, you know, I'm building a technology which is going to be bought out. You know, and and then I'm out of the business, right? But they are so. But that that founder is so emotionally involved in the problem that they're solving that they're going to figure out a way to fix it. Actually, that's right. We got we got we got to connect offline because I do know a guy that I had on this show that's building a piece of tech that sits in Wi-Fi routers in a brick and mortar, tracks the person back to their home computer, so you can measure. I don't know if you ever heard of stuff like this, but there's stuff out there that's starting I, to solve well, that so, problem. Yeah, yeah. So we have we have companies. So when we have to uh, justify the pricing for on-screen advertising, what we what we did is we there's a company that monitors people coming in and out uh, uh, of your premises, yeah. and they actually connect with the cell phones. So they can't really tell you who the person is, but they can tell you how many cell phones walked in and out of your premises. Uh, <coughs> and so they can do the math and determine how many single users walked in and, and saw the ad, didn't see the ad, and you know, and it's a more, you know, concrete way of validating uh, the Smart. whole uh, uh, um, the whole traffic in a movie theater. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, HubSpot. Now, the new year might have you thinking ahead to what you want out of your career. So when you think about your success story, what do you actually picture? Is it retiring early with a beautiful view of the skyline? Is it leaving a legacy with your name on it? Or maybe it's helping influence and change some of the world's most pressing issues. Whatever it is, writing your success story starts by working smart. Because when you work smart, your success story writes itself. A HubSpot CRM platform helps your marketing campaigns work harder and smarter. With intuitive visual workflows and bot builders, you can create scalable automated campaigns across email, social media, web, and chat so your customers hear your messages loud and clear. Are you tired of your content not adapting to mobile, making it difficult for your customers to absorb your message? A HubSpot CRM platform optimizes your content for multiple devices so that you can reach your customers wherever they are which is just smart. Learn more about how you can transform your customer experience with a HubSpot CRM at HubSpot.com. If somebody if somebody was going to, um, do you mind if we, I know that I told you 45, I just want to ask a couple more questions if you're if you're cool. If you have something, then we can yeah, cut it definitely. soon. But yeah, we'll, we'll do one more just because, yeah, yeah. you know, I got to, I, I got a, I got a, I got other meetings to go to. And I know you do. You're, you're a popular man. I know. I know. Okay. So, uh, just one last piece of advice, because you've built yeah. such a huge brick and mortar uh, 
franchise, establishment, empire, whatever you want to call it. How do, what's the number one thing that you would tell somebody in terms of marketing, measurable marketing that you would do if you're just starting off a brick and mortar, a restaurant, a, a movie theater, a cafe, a gym? What's the thing that moves the needle the most for you? I would tell you that still today, when we do TV ads, it's very awkward because you know everybody's gonna tell me well, who watches TV still, right? But yeah. believe it or not, if you when we whenever we run a TV campaign, we see an automatic reaction to that TV campaign within one week of running that campaign. So if we open a new theater and we advertise that that theater's open, we have an automatic quicker reaction going to the theater versus online versus paper newspaper versus radio um tv is still a very very captive audience uh and i think that nothing nothing beats a 30 second visual of what's going on i mean you know when we sell movies today studios will still invest in tv they yeah. will not invest in newspaper, but they will in TV. So very TV smart. is okay. still a very hard. You, you can actually, <coughs> you can actually show an experience through TV. I don't think you can feel an experience of going to a restaurant or to a no. theater yeah. through radio or through a, a static ad. Yeah, very smart. Okay, uh, let's let's close this up. I want to do rapid fire, but like you could do rapid fire. There's just a couple quick questions to yeah. pull insights out of your career. But most importantly, before I ask those questions, where do people connect with you? Where do people go check you out? What's your social? What's your website? Anywhere you want to send people. Well, I think, look, you can go on Instagram at Lord Guzzo. You can go on Twitter at uh, Guzzo uh, Vincenzo. I mean, uh, I'm on Facebook. You know, I'm, I'm almost everywhere. I, I just signed up to TikTok. I haven't done any TikToks <laughs> yet, but I mean, uh, you know, I, I guess those will be coming, you know, we'll, we'll, I, I don't, God knows what, what my people are, are preparing for me on that level there. Uh, and, and then, you know, I mean, you can uh, reach me uh, uh, on, uh, on LinkedIn as well. So, uh, you know, I'm on all, all of those platforms. Awesome. Okay. We'll link all those uh, in the show notes. Okay. So rapid fire, uh, the biggest challenge in your life, personal, professional, excuse me, what was it? How'd you overcome it? Uh, I think I still go through it. There's, there's way more things that I'd like to do in a 24-hour span, but I haven't found a way to get 48 hours worth of work in 24 hours. All right, good. Uh, one person, there's been many, but one person who's had an impact on your life. Who was it? What did they teach you? Uh, my dad, and I think he, he still teaches me that you know, no matter how, how crazy times are, those storms will always pass and there'll always be sunshine at the end. Smart. Uh, a book, podcast, something you'd recommend people go check out? Oh, well, I mean, your podcast for sure. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> do you have any others? Any of your, any other favorites? Well, I, you know, I mean, look, I, I do a lot of podcasts. One of them yeah. that I enjoyed doing the most was the, the drive-by with Freeway Frank. I saw that uh, one, uh, yeah. You know, that was a good uh, one. It was a, long, it was a long one. I had, I had a great time doing it with him. Freeway's a friend, so, you know, we know each other. Uh, but... Um, you know, I, I also think one of the one of the books that everybody should read, um, you know, find a, a condensed version and find a vulgarized version of the Prince. You know, it'll, it'll teach you, yeah. you know, what politicians think they know and what you should know. Very good. Uh, if you tell your twenty-year-old self one thing, what would it be? Uh, don't waste time. Start good. earlier. You know, I. And last I, question. I, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I wasted too much time sometimes on, on things that I shouldn't have wasted time. So if I can get Start back early. time, I'd pay a lot of money to get back time. Last question. What does success mean to you? Success means being able to do whatever the hell makes you happy. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. 
Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn Jobs, and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn Jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn Jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. 
Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professional to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay.